Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm, I'm finding out it's not that easy to preach three times each Sunday, Pastor Stan. I, I, I had forgotten it. Take something out of you, so I hope my voice is going to behave. Towards the end of the previous uh, sermon, it kind of wasn't too strong, but my wife has given me some, some prayer and some lozenges, you know. I don't know which will work best, but uh, uh, bear with me as, as I um, deal with that. It's a, it's a real joy to be with you. This is, of course, the, the service that I regularly attend, so uh, it's great to see familiar faces around, especially ones that I don't always see. Hi, Cooper. Uh, please pray with me. Lord, our prayer is that you would transform us into a praying and prayerful church through your Spirit. Without you, we can do nothing. But with you, as David said, we can advance against a troop. We can scale and jump over a wall. Lord, as we open your word, give us deeper insight how to pray to your glory through Christ our Lord. Amen. The prayer council of Eastminster, of the session, I don't know if you know that we have a prayer council. Not all sessions have a prayer council, but we have one, uh, and they're doing a lot of work at the moment. They have prepared a prayer card, which you will be receiving during this service, uh, and it has about 10 prayers on it, and these are prayers that are central to the life of our church, things that Pastor Stan has pointed out several times and that the prayer council has put together and they've given uh, really great scriptures with them. So you'll be getting a prayer card and these cards will be handed out um, and then we're going to arrange that you have the opportunity towards the end of the sermon to actually pray together with people uh, in, in little groups so that we won't just talk about prayer, we'll do something about it uh, right here in front uh, in, in the church. Okay. Um, prayer and the mission of God. We're going to have a series on the mission of God. Um, there can hardly be anything as important to the mission of God in this world as faithful, consistent prayer. At its best, our prayer should be a conversation, a relational two-way communication between the majestic creator of everything and those who worship him on earth. The primary purpose of prayer is not for accomplishing our personal wants, our desires, but to advance God's kingdom and his will for our lives. Prayer is also a powerful tool 
to strengthen the witness of the church. There are a variety of ways in which uh, we could approach this topic, but I have chosen uh, this morning to select four of the most outstanding prayers in the Bible uh, of different kinds, and then to draw some conclusions from them for the way we should pray today. The reason I've done this is when I read biblical prayers and then compare them to church prayers, I'm struck at how different they are. My own prayer now is that we, the church, could learn to pray more like David or pray more for the kind of petitions that we find in the letters of Paul. I believe we need to understand better the mechanics of prayer. So this is what this sermon is going to be about. Our first example is from King David. I've not chosen a psalm, although I could have, but 1 Chronicles 29. Here we find a public prayer where David addresses the Lord God in the presence of the whole assembly of Israel. The context is very specific. Building a temple was a dream of David, but the Lord gave it to his son Solomon to do. Nevertheless, David carried out lots of preparations by assembling large quantities of building materials and precious metals for the construction and adornment of the temple. Let's hear this prayer from 1 Chronicles 29, uh, 10 to 13 and 18 to 20. Hear the word of the Lord. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise for your glorious name. I hope you can see I'm a little excited about this prayer. Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers, and they bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. Did you notice the magnificent opening, the verses 10 to 13? David exalts the Lord in a corporate prayer expressing the grandeur of Yahweh. 
praising his transcendent attributes of greatness and power and glory and splendor. He acknowledges that God is the source and provider of all riches. He is the ruler of all. He is the one deserving praise and thanksgiving. And then when we get to verses 18 and 19, he only has two requests, that the Lord may keep the people's hearts focused on the task to complete the temple, and that he may grant his son Solomon wholehearted devotion to build the temple. Then the people praise God, bow down before him, even prostrating themselves on the ground in humility before the Lord. What a stellar example of worship and prayer. The conclusion that I would draw from this prayer for our way of praying is, as we approach the Lord, we should not rush in with our requests. We sang, I don't want to rush ahead. Jenny seemed to know what I was going to say, huh? You see, when we pray, we have a lot of things we want to ask. And we just want to rattle them off. What we can learn from David is to first realize more deeply to whom we are speaking. And as we realize we're talking to the God of the universe and we think about his attributes and his greatness and his mercy and his compassion and love, our faith rises. Our expectation is built up. We render praise to God and remind ourselves of his greatness. There is comfort in knowing the Lord of power and love. Even our mood may change. Gone is the fear and the frenzy and the clenched fist. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to get the Lord to do that. Our hearts are newly filled with hope and trust and joy and faith. We forget our little shopping lists and we are able to focus on what is really important, what we truly need. Prayer becomes relational. David only asks two things. Keep our hearts loyal, Lord. Have you ever prayed that? Lord, that we may complete the task and grant Solomon wholehearted devotion to you. Often we need to pray for healing. I remember a meeting once when I was a professor and we were together with a dean and the dean said, well, um, okay, are there any prayer requests? And it seemed as if everybody in the room had an uncle 
that had heart trouble or a grandmother who had cancer. And as we heard one after the other, it was as if we were going down and down and down. And then the dean said, it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. And suddenly, I felt, yes, I can pray. We need to be reminded. That's what David is doing. When he's talking about God's greatness, God knows all of that already. But we need to meditate on who he is and how great he is before we pray so that the level of faith in our hearts can grow. We need to remind ourselves he is the great physician, Lord Jesus. He is gracious and compassion. By his stripes we are healed. It's even good if you're taking time to pray for someone, to have a reading from the Gospels, to remind yourself of Jesus praying for blind Bartimaeus and his eyes are open. Because when you hear that, your heart responds in faith. Or a testimony from somebody that has been healed. That will help us to pray with faith and expectation all the while leaving the timing and the results in God's hand. Our second prayer is quite different from the one of David. I have chosen the emotional cry of a barren woman. This is the feverish petition of Hannah for a son. There was a man in Israel from the tribe of Ephraim called Elkanah. And he had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Hannah was overcome with anguish as her rival heaped scorn on her. The high priest Eli at first chides her for being intoxicated, but she quickly explains that she's overcome with grief. Eli now understands and tells her to go in peace. He prays that the Lord will grant her request. Soon she falls pregnant and Samuel is born, bringing much joy. Let us hear the story as it's told in 1 Samuel 1 verse 10 to 13. And take note of how her anguish dominates everything. Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord God Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be used ever on his head. And as she kept on praying, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice hadn't, was not heard. And Eli thought, she's behaving like a drunk person. I have selected this 
narrative to present or represent a very different kind of prayer. The mood is completely different. It's a lament born of sorrow. Our God is passionate and compassionate. He understands her heartache and answers her cries. She bears a son and his, the son will play a significant role in the biblical history as the prophet Samuel. Here we learn that a prayer of lament is acceptable to God. The book of Psalms actually has twice the number of laments than Psalms of thanksgiving or of praise. These blunt emotional prayers sometimes embarrass our middle class morality. Do you think it's proper to yell at God or cast angry curses on your enemies? Listen to Psalm 6. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Lord, turn and deliver me. The Lord doesn't seem to mind our passionate cries. Even when they get a little out of hand, like Psalm 137, verse 9, Blessed is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Have you ever prayed that? Probably not. The strange thing is, God can take it. And it's so much better to yell at God than to yell at your fellow human beings. Notice that the cry is not why. We always want to know why. The biblical cry is, how long? This shows that the prayer actually knows there's going to be a change. How long, O oh Lord, before you answer my prayer? That's what I'm asking. How long? Why is it going to be so long? We may rest in the Lord's covenantal faithfulness and loyal love, knowing that the breakthrough will come. How long, Lord? May it be soon. Hasten the day. Do not forsake us, Lord. Here we learn a lot for our own praying. If we have grief, passion, or even anger, it is best directed to God. I've said God can take it. Prayers of lament, when you read the Psalms, regularly turn into expressions of trust. You see, deep pain must be verbalized. If you keep it inside, it's not good for you. If you don't verbalize it, you allow your pain to turn into a sullen and bitter silence. And the resentment grows and eats at us and unravels our faith 
which is termed numb. And slowly our faith is corroded and fades away. Again, you see, relationality is at the heart of these prayers. It is also clear that not all contexts are alike. Not every prayer needs an introduction praising all God's attributes, but they all need to express sincere communication, relationality, even if it's angry. Maintaining our conversation with the living Lord is what it's all about. Recapping quickly, and you have the notes in your uh, Eastminster bulletin. Um, we have seen in the first place, based on David's prayer, that we shouldn't rush in with our list of wants, but first, Reflect on his greatness, his love, his divine majesty, so that we can pray with more faith and trust in the Lord with whom we have a relationship. And then we saw in the second place, based on Hannah's prayer, God understands us with our emotion-filled cries and prayers of deep need, even our grief but it is crucial to hang on to him, hang on to our relationship when we most need it. The third scriptural example is from Paul. Here we have the three most beautiful prayers for the church that we can find. They're in Ephesians and Colossians. They may also prove to be the most instructive for our own prayer life. They're found in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, and Colossians 1. And I have them printed out for you. As you leave, you can look on the kiosks uh, and just pick them up. Then you have these prayers together. And I recommend that you get into a habit of reading them when you feel you need encouragement because if we could pray like Paul does, ah, that would be just amazing. If you read these three prayers, and I don't have time to do them all, um, you will notice the similarities. They're found in letters that Paul sends to actual congregations and they express his unique style of intercession. What makes them so astounding is what he prays for. They begin first with an expression of gratitude for the faith of the congregation for whom he is praying. He encourages and celebrates their love for all God's people. He gives thanks for their dedication to Christ. And this affirmation strengthens the bond of fellowship and relationality with the believers. And then we find his eloquent petitions, which I believe include four central themes. First thing he prays for is wisdom. Wisdom, knowledge, revelation. Paul prays for divine enlightenment 
to be given to the believers in these congregations. The congregations that are a lot like our own churches in many ways. He is aware that we often lack spiritual insight, misunderstand how to deal with difficult challenges to our faith. We need knowledge. Above all, we need to know Christ more deeply. Let's pray for knowledge. This is followed by a prayer for mighty strength and power through the Holy Spirit. Paul's desire is that believers would be empowered as Christians, have impact on those around him, around them, enabled by the divine giftings of the Holy Spirit, which are their inheritance in Christ. Thirdly, we find that he focuses on love. As the central element of our walk of faith, we need to be grounded in love for one another, and this flows from a deep, deep understanding of the immeasurable dimensions of Christ's love for us. We cannot plummet the, the depth, the height, the width, the length of his love. If we could understand that love more deeply, it will shake us up. Lastly, we find the theme of sanctification, which finds numerous expressions in these prayers. He prays for integrity, growth in character, personal holiness. He wants us to grow in hope, be filled with God, live a holy life, bear fruit through good works, uh, having endurance and patience. I am convinced that if the church could raise up a generation of believers that would pray for one another in such profound ways. Christianity could be revived and come to flourish across the earth to the glory of God. Listen now to Ephesians 3, uh, verses 16 to 21, in which the author prays with beauty and insight for the church in Ephesus. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he, the Father, may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all God's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, all more, 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 than, more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work, within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm not suggesting that all our prayers become the same and use a set formula, but I believe the church would benefit greatly if we would learn to pray not merely that God bless Aunt Sue and bless 
Grandpa Bob, but rather, Lord, empower Aunt Sue. Give Uncle Bob knowledge and revelation and understanding. That we would pray, God empower him by the Spirit. For example, Lord, grant my daughter uh, Helen power and strength through the working of your Holy Spirit in the caring of her children. That the love of God would come to flourish in our hearts. Gracious God, increase the love of this body of Christ in East Wichita for the poor and needy downtown that we would receive understanding and be enlightened in our faith. Lord, we pray for the session, the session leaders of Eastminster, that they would receive revelation and insight in their task of caring pastorally for our church members. Bearing the fruit of good works and the ninefold fruit of the Spirit, Lord Jesus, hear my cry for my grandson, Jared, who is estranged from his parents and is gradually losing his faith. The God of glory and grace would hear these prayers and our walk of faith would become contagious, brimming with hope and joy. And the Lord would do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Wouldn't you like to learn to pray more like Paul? Our fourth illustration comes from Luke, from Acts. We look at this last illustration briefly. Uh, the book of Acts is filled with God's miraculous intervention in answers to prayer. The most complete prayer is found in Acts 4. Peter and John have just been released after arrest by the Jewish Sanhedrin. They rejoin their fellow believers and go into prayer. They've been witnessing to the name of Jesus publicly and conclude as follows. Acts 4, 29 to 31. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were, the place where they were meeting, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Wow. What a powerful witness is expressed in these words. The apostles have developed a missional heart. I believe more than anything we need boldness in prayer to return to the American church so that the gospel may be proclaimed powerfully. So often we read in Acts that the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we prayed that the Lord would add daily to the congregation of Eastminster. What a privilege we have to carry everything 
to God in prayer. Now I want to change gears a bit. and move to some concrete steps that may encourage us to pray here at Eastminster. We have a few initiatives that the Prayer Council of Session is spearheading. First, there is an exciting new opportunity for our church to join in a group of churches across the city um, to pray for 24 hours once a month. If 31 churches join and take one day every month to pray specifically for the needs of Wichita around the clock, that means that at every moment of every day in the upcoming years, there will be someone interceding for Wichita. Don't you think that'll make a difference? This is the plan. You can sign up for a 30-minute or a 60-minute slot. We've been given the first Wednesday of every month. We're planning to start next month with August the 7th. Between the hours of 8 a.m. and 9 p.m., people will be able to use the little prayer room that we have here just behind the, the sanctuary. Um, this is a room off the hallway and there's a sign up in case you haven't been there. We will supply a list of needs that the city has to help you in your intercession. Pray for things like interceding for addicts, opposing crimes like homicide and sex trafficking, care for the poor, homelessness in our city, positive things such as Lord, grow the churches, evangelism, supporting church leaders, witness to unbelievers, justice, righteousness, the mayor, the city government, the police, the judges, the legal system. You understand. It would also be appropriate to pray specifically for Eastminster in that time. For the hours when the church is not open, we ask that you commit to pray at home for that period of time. There are several other initiatives that we have that you can read about in the East Wind. We would love to have more people pray short prayers for our pastor at the pulpit on Sunday mornings at 9.15 and 10.45, 15 minutes before the traditional and contemporary services. This prayer around the pulpit is specifically for the preacher, the musicians, the worship service, and all are welcome to take part. Now I would like to close this service of prayer by letting us spend the last five minutes of our time in small groups actually praying. Some of our prayer council members and other people um, who are helping us um, are going to hand out right now, as quick as possible, um, these prayer cards that we have spoken of uh, to everyone. They have the long-time needs uh, and prayer requests of our congregation. 
Um, and as you receive them, um, I ask that you would break up into groups of three or four and pray together, choosing one of these items to pray for. Perhaps you can start, if necessary, just to introduce yourselves in small groups um, and then look through the card and say, oh, I'm going to pray for Macedonia or I'm going to pray for Puerto Rico or I'm going to pray for what we're doing in the neighborhoods. Um, and then everybody doesn't get to have the same prayers. Uh, you can each take one. And if, you're, if you like, you can just pray spontaneously. Uh, and if you're not comfortable with that, read the prayer and the scripture. Um, and you can also just pray silently if you, pr if you prefer. Um, I'm asking that you not make the groups any larger um, than four, since that may not allow time for everyone to pray. So would you do that now? Just move around, get groups of four, try and include everybody, and uh, if you don't want to pray, just pray silently, but I ask if you do that. And uh, if we keep it to four, we're not, we'll give everybody a time to pray.
Thank you. Church, I really appreciate the way you got into that. Uh, it's an encouragement for me to see you all prayer, uh, uh, get lost in prayer, as some of us are still. Um, we're drawing things to a close now, and... Uh, I would ask that if you're interested to volunteer for the 24 hours uh, of prayer on August the 7th, that you go to eastminster.org slash prayer. Um, but easier still, if you could just fill in on your little card that you've torn out, the bottom of those requests there is whether you, whether you would like to volunteer for that. If you cross that box, they'll phone you and arrange with you a time. So uh, if you're interested in doing that, um, we'd love to have some response for you, uh, from you. Um, and now we would like to... Uh, have our collection. And uh, I will pray as you gather. Gracious God, mindful of your grandeur and your grace, we come before you with our offerings. Accept these gifts, whether they have come electronically or by check. We dedicate them to your service. Your love calls forth from us an answering love and compassion for our neighbors. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>